And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast for DelawareValleyJournal.com, where we cover Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery County with the help of our intrepid news editor, Linda Stein. Linda, welcome back to the podcast. Good morning, Michael. Happy to be here. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources, the host. And it's always a delight to welcome Congresswoman Madeline Dean. Already, Congresswoman, I've mispronounced your name. That's okay. I have family members who don't say it, but so here's you have the to trick. S- give it to me. It yeah. rhymes with Dean. My first name rhymes with Dean. It's Madeline Dean. And how did, so were you, I saw you, uh, you grew up in a, a small uh, community. What is it? Glen? Um, Glenside. Glenside. Yeah. So were your parents like Francophiles? Did they sit around and swill red wine and serve oh, camembert in your no. spare time? No, I think they drank New York State wine back in the day. <laughs> uh, no, I'm the youngest of seven. And my grandmother's oh. name, it was Madeline, Madeline Eaton, my lovely grandmother. And she was named for the Church of the Madeline in Paris. That is fantastic. Well, before I throw it over to Linda, I always like to ask this question towards the end of the campaign because I used to flack in my my back in my misspent youth. Um, Tell me about a moment. uh, Tell our listeners actually about a moment in this campaign that you think kind of summarizes where the voters are, how the election's going, the the mood of the people in southeastern Pennsylvania. Have you had a moment like that? I think I've had multiple moments, Uh, and. There are two things that come to mind. Uh, One is anxiety. I just was with some Kutztown students. Uh, Anxiety over their own future. Anxiety for uh, our government, our way of life, uh, the ability to vote. Uh, Anxiety for our planet. But then the other one that comes right up against it is so American. It is the aspirational. People I talk to, whether they are young or old, the voters I talk to, they have such high aspirations, not just for themselves and their family, but for this country. So it's those two uh, A's, uh, anxiety and aspirational. And that's what elections are about. Uh, So uh, I'm, I'm honoring all of those things as I make my run for a third term. Congresswoman, uh, why do you want a third term? What do, what do you hope to accomplish? And um, would you also be in favor of term limits? Good morning, Linda. Uh, nice to talk to you. Good morning. You know why I, I look forward to a third term? is because of all of the issues that I have a feeling we will dabble into this morning. The chance to make a difference around protecting our voting rights around protecting our planet, around protecting women's rights as we see us going in reverse in this country, uh, around trying to solve serious problems like gun violence and overdose deaths. Uh, What an honor, what a privilege uh, to serve in Congress for the fourth congressional district, which is Montgomery and Berks counties, to work on these problems as well as people's future aspirations, careers, Uh, to work on the problems of our economy, uh, to have been able to be a small part of what we did uh, during COVID to help people through a a once in a century uh, pandemic and global shutdown like we've never seen ever. Uh, What an honor. Uh, I I feel lucky to be able to work on these problems with other people. Well, you had um, mentioned uh, fentanyl deaths, uh, I think. And um, are you in favor of shutting down the border just in the last nine months? There's been uh, something like uh, over 5,000 pounds of fentanyl 
brought into the country through the border. And some of that reaches the Philadelphia region and the suburbs, as you know. Well, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I care an awful lot about uh, addiction, the disease of addiction. Uh, my husband and I, our middle son, Harry, is in recovery, long-term recovery from opioid addiction. So we have seen this play out painfully close at home. And sadly, uh, we've buried too many uh, of his friends and our friends. Um, a good friend of mine just yesterday let me know that his 32-year-old brother died of overdose. Uh, last year, let's just define the problem. Last year, 107,000 people died of overdose in this country. That's 300 and some a day. I call that a jetliner a day crashing to this country. And I say that because I believe that this is a very multi-pronged problem, fentanyl being so extraordinarily deadly and now laced into all kinds of substances. Uh, so it's not enough to say, would you just simply close the border? The border is not where the bulk of illegal drugs are coming in. It's all ports of entry. In fact, in, in last year alone, it was the United States citizens, 83% of the folks convicted for fentanyl drug trafficking mm -hmm. were US citizens. Uh, so I am somebody who has great compassion for the addict uh, and understand that it is a disease. Jails are not the answer to addiction. In fact, uh, jails probably only exacerbate those problems. And simply saying we will shut down the border and trying to blame it on brown people at our southern border is an oversimplification. It doesn't deal with the but, entire problem. But Congresswoman, one of the other things that uh, people are concerned about the border say is that enforcing immigration law is not particularly complicated. The law is law. You just enforce it. Whereas opposed to fighting addiction problems, as you've just laid out, it is a complex, it is really hard to yeah. deal with addiction, the crime that comes from it, the families. So if uh, the Congress can't solve a simple problem of simply enforcing border laws and having border laws that make sense, why should they return you for another two years to solve a much harder problem, which is fentanyl? Well, actually, um, that that premise isn't true either. Uh, we want to uh, enact comprehensive immigration reform. You point to a problem. Drugs are a problem. The border and immigration is a problem. So, so I, I'm uh, sorry, I have to interrupt because have... I'm, I'm, you're losing me on something. I was talking about border security. How would a widespread amnesty plan stop the flow of people and, and end the chaos at the border? I don't understand. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't understand the what's the connection between the two topics. Right now we have chaos no, at the border. Legal, legal. I support legal immigration. Mm -hmm. and but how does that solve the immigration? I'm just asking, how, how is that a solution to the chaos at the border? Which? Legal how immigration? How does a widespread amnesty, renewed legal immigration issue solve the problem that we have at the border now? I'm just trying to see the connection between Well, your framing is just incorrect. Okay. We have legal... We have a pathway to legal immigration and it is fraught with problems. We are under-resourced at the border. We are under-resourced in those who would adjudicate claims for refuge. And I'm gonna go back to what I believe about this country. This country was made of immigrants. I don't know how you got here, but my family got here by way uh, from Ireland, many of my descendants. Uh, and so if we just said, you know what? Too much disease, too much whatever, you all need to just stay home. That's not what we are about. We are a country of opportunity. 
So we should have sensible legal immigration policies that offer opportunities for those who are critically in need or who are aspirational and wanna be a part of this project. The other thing about immigration, which this conversation is, is neglecting, is immigration is important right now to our economy, to our workforce. So I, I, I just find it an oversimplification to say, uh, Democrats just want open borders and Republicans just wanna shut it all down. I don't think any of these problems is that simple. Uh, and that's a very un-American kind of answer. Well, uh, Congresswoman, on another topic, um, as you know, there's like a huge increase lately in the past couple of years in crime in Philadelphia. And a lot of that is filtering through to the suburbs, including Montgomery County, where we're seeing increases in things like catalytic converter theft. Um, in Lansdale, there was a drive-by shooting, as you probably know. Um, what can you do about uh, crime? And didn't you vote for um, measures uh, that are like defunding the police? <laughs> exact opposite. Thank you for asking. That's it's funny how these things get so turned around. Which is why it's great uh, to have you on the podcast. Because see, then exactly. you can answer it yourself. Excellent. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, you know what? I have cared about gun violence in particular. I'll focus on that for this one my entire life, took my kids when they were little back in 2000 to the Million Mom March. Uh, I was a teacher at LaSalle University and had an adult student whose 16 year old son was shot and killed by another teenager. Uh, this was a few years back. Uh, we have a problem of guns, illegal guns, and way too many of them in the hands of children. Uh, so that's why I literally, one of the things I ran on uh, was to deal with gun violence in this country. That's why I wanted to be on the Judiciary Committee. And so what Democrats have done, number one, we had the first hearing on gun violence in Congress in a couple of decades when we came in in 2019 uh, under Jerry Nadler as our chair. We passed universal background checks out of the House. We passed closing of the Charleston loophole out of the House. Uh, we passed it twice, two Congresses in a row. I, I hope you saw uh, that we finally, after the horror of the Buffalo Massacre and the Uvalde Massacre of fourth graders and their teachers, we passed the Safer Communities Act. It's the first time in nearly 30 years that Congress has done anything on guns. So I would say anybody who wants to work on the issue of gun violence and gun violence deaths, and you're absolutely right, it hits my communities. In Pottstown, we had a 17 and an 18-year-old shot to death allegedly by a 17 year old. If anybody wants to come to the table and do something around gun violence, then they would have voted for the Safer Communities Act and they would have said, we need an assault weapons ban and they would have funded Capitol Police. Uh, you, you should take a look at the vote on the funding, a supplemental funding bill for Capitol Police after January 6th, most Republicans voted no. Not a single Republican voted to fund the police through the American Rescue Plan. So Linda, you have it wrong. Politely, I say, we voted to fund state, local, and municipal governments, which means we voted, Democrats, and not a single Republican, I'm very sorry to say, voted uh, to support our police. Uh, so I will keep working on it. Uh, some of the things- so I'm, I'm sorry, I don't understand. So the, Amer the American Rescue Plan had money that specifically said this is for law enforcement in it? Municipal you said the phrase law enforcement? 
Uh, I, I don't know if law enforcement is in the. I think it said municipal governments. I think it did yes. mention law enforcement. By the and way, I know, I know I said there'd be no I math. Be, I, I, oh, I promised I promised you there'd be no math because I'm a fellow English grad, which, by oh, the way, I, I just the that. idea that we turn our government over to English majors just terrifies me uh, as an English major myself. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm a course. lawyer, too. Oh, well, the, oh, very well there, of, there you go. That's what better. I'm proud, of, <laughs> proud of being an English major. Nothing uh, I, wrong with that. My my, father, my my parents my parents cried. They wanted me to get a you know a quote. Oh, real my degree. parents were both English majors. They loved oh it. oh that's great. That's excellent. But but um, let me Mike let me answer you there. Sure. When you when you send the local and state governments were pleading with us during COVID, uh, mm -hmm. during the shutdown for support, financial support, and you know that municipal governments. I used to be a municipal township commissioner. Uh, support and pay for resource their police departments. Right. So that's exactly funding of police. Well, you can also say it's funding of sewers. I mean, it's, there's, you know, it's municipal funding. But um, you, that $1.9 trillion, as you know, Larry Summers, among other Democratic uh, economists, have pointed to that as one of the engines of the inflation that we're currently suffering. Any regrets about voting for that spending in 2021? No, I, I do not have regrets. Because, again, that would be, uh, with respect to Larry, uh, that would be uh, an oversimplification. I know that uh, inflation, uh, you know, is global. Uh, this is not just in the United States. In fact, the argument could be made that because of some of the things, many of the things that we did during COVID and the economic closure, inflation here is a little less. Uh, in uh, UK, it's an 11%. In more than 100 countries, there is inflation as a result of this pandemic, and in many of them far higher than here. But that doesn't deal with the problem. The problem is real, it is here. Uh, we've suffered increased prices at the pump. Uh, that, of course, compounded by a war in Ukraine, uh, compounded by OPEC's recent announcement uh, of uh, reduced supply, therefore driving up demand and driving up prices. It's also compounded by big oil companies taking record profits during this crisis for America. Mm -hmm. Every time I fill up my car, and you can imagine I'm driving around a lot right now, but campaign, so I'm filling up a lot. I take a look at that and I think of the oil companies. How is it that they are taking billions in profits on the backs of American citizens during this inflation moment? Uh, so Democrats are dealing with it. We have passed legislation uh, to reduce prices. We passed the Inflation Reduction Act to reduce prices for seniors on prescription drugs, to reduce prices for the United States government as we negotiate, begin to negotiate on prescription drugs that we have to buy, of course, for our seniors. So we are doing things to, that would be anti-inflationary. Uh, and again, I, I don't know okay, what- I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm going to small, small brain, small brain here. I'm terrible at math. I'm an English major. Are you saying that the oil companies are setting- the prices of gas higher than they should be, or that, that they're creating the price as opposed to simply selling a product for what the market is asking. Well, obviously, they have the, the uh, they have the control over how profitably they will operate during this incredibly difficult time for U.S. citizens. Uh, so, of course, they have control over that. Okay, because you know the the Bush administration. Well, the Bush administration, the Clinton administration, the Obama administration all had investigations by the FTC into what you're just saying. And they all said that that was not true, that it was a conspiracy theory um, being spread on the interwebs. So I'm just, I, is there something that I don't know? 
Did we find out something new since that claim has been investigated by Clinton, Obama, and Bush? Well, this is not that time. This is a time oh, okay. of a global pandemic and an so, economic closure and a war in Ukraine. Let's not forget I, that. I have one big picture question. I'm going to hand you to Linda for the finish. You saw the president's comments on uh, Saturday that upset Senator Manchin about cold. And you saw the comments on Sunday about we're going to end all drilling. Voters, as you know, kind of work, you know, kind of on a, you know, simple kind of basic level. If you were talking to a voter and voters said, look, Congresswoman, you're a great person, love you. You've got you know, excellent issues on drugs, et cetera, that you're focused on. My vote is simple. I want cheaper <laughs> gas and oil and heating fuel and propane. Every time you guys talk, I hear restrictions and green new stuff. Every time the Republicans talk, I hear drill, baby, drill. I'm just going to vote on energy. And the way to vote on energy for my family is to vote Republican. What would your rebuttal to that voter be? Well, I, I don't agree that uh, voters are simple. I think they are paying attention to the complexities of this economy. Uh, and what I would say is I'd point them to the Inflation Reduction Act, where we invest $53 billion in getting them uh, sustainable, cheaper energy. So we, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can make sure we tap the resources safely uh, and in protection of our planet but we can also get them renewable energy. So take a look at what Democrats have done. Uh, it is the Democrats who recognize that we need to, for example, um, have uh, more barrels of, of uh, oil available. You saw, and I urged the president a year ago uh, to tap the strategic reserves, which he has done multiple times. That's exactly why we have strategic reserves, to help American citizens at this time of painful, uh, high prices at the pump. Uh, so that's what we're working on. That's what we have been doing. Uh, and I, I give voters a lot of credit. They're paying close attention. The answer is not drill, baby, drill. The answer is get them efficiently, uh, energy safe uh, resources to make sure that they can fuel their home, they can fuel their cars, and they can have a prosperous future for them and for their children. You know, I'm a mom, but I'm also a grandma. I've got four grandchildren from 11 down to one and a half. Uh, I see everything through the lens of what's their future going to look like. I don't see it as this moment, this snapshot. We have to build for the future. As am I, Congresswoman, a grandmother. Um, but I'm wondering about one thing, the natural gas in Pennsylvania, from what I understand, is lower emission, et cetera, et cetera, and actually good for the environment. And there's uh, been some talk of a liquefied natural gas plant for the Philadelphia region. Would you support that? I have heard about that. Uh, and I, uh, I don't have an answer for you now. I want to learn exactly uh, what that would entail. But when I was a state representative before coming to Congress, I worked at the state level to make sure uh, that we uh, did fracking uh, as safely as possible, reduced we really urge the DEP uh, to uh, make sure that we reduce the methane gas emissions that come as a result of fracking. Uh, so I'm interested in making sure we harness our resources safely and abundantly and well, uh, not for just our current use, but for also the protection of the planet. So we one last short, short, short follow-up then. So your thoughts on the president saying yesterday that we're going to end all drilling, we're going to end all drilling. How should a voter view that statement from the president? You know what, I didn't follow, I, I heard that that was what he said, and then I think uh, he moderated that. So 
I'll let the president speak for himself. I'll speak for myself. And your favorite writer in the English language is? Oh, gosh. I have a few. Robert Frost is one. Robert Dean is another. That was my father. who oh. was published hundreds and hundreds wow. of times in Philadelphia newspapers uh, and many other places. Um, Oh, I, I have so many. Um, I'm, a Flannery teach, I'm a Flannery O'Connor and H.L. Oh, Mencken guy. So that's marvelous. That's I used to teach writing at LaSalle University, yeah, writing and it's... rhetoric. So I have uh, favorite writers like William Zinzer on writing. Um, uh, good old Strunk and White. Do you remember yeah, that, Michael? Oh, of course. I'm a kid. Me, I live by it. I, as Linda will tell you, I crack the whip on it all the time. I love Less that. is more. Less is more. That's the... Oh. You know, omit needless words exactly to start start with that but then again if you omitted needless words we what would we do with congress you guys would have like 30 minute meetings that'd be it you'll be gone You're, see that's what I, I do i'm so unfair congresswoman thank you so much I for know. joining us on Michael, the podcast i thought that very thing <laughs> <laughs> well listen good luck on the campaign trail be well and I thanks do. again for joining us here on the delaware valley journal podcast thank you both it's for so having much me. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.